You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Welcome to The X-Files Season 2, Episode 2. What a big day. It's always a big day for us. Episode 2. Episode Season (laughs) 2. We know words. <laughs> two, two. Is that, that feels like a lucky number. I don't know that it is, but it, it feels like a lucky number. I think, I mean, it's like double 11 and that is considered lucky. So, um, you know, it, it probably is. There you go. I also think that if it feels lucky to you, then it is lucky. That's a good point. And it does feel lucky to me. Although it really shouldn't because this episode is pretty gross. It is. It is a gross episode. Uh, There's really no other way to describe it. I knew, I knew that it was going to be gross going into it. I guess I wasn't prepared for just how upsetting parts of it would be. (laughs) Yeah. I think I know exactly the parts (laughs) that you're referencing. (laughs) I mean, I literally wrote in my notes, Alana, did you like the monster's face? Um, what I wrote was, no. this creature has beautiful, full lips. Wow. Okay. That's, you know. And that's, I, that's a I stand by that. I wasn't expecting that. That's a hot take. Yeah, I thought I thought this creature's lips were beautiful, full, very, you know, red, like like they put on some makeup. Um, I didn't hate it. Okay. Wow. Great. Great. It sounds like it sounds like you maybe did though. I didn't love it. Um, you know, I felt like in the last scene it lingered like a little too long for my comfort level. But I mean, yeah, I guess I, I I focused more on how horrifying it looked and forgot to notice that it put on makeup to appear more presentable. So I apologize. Um, well, that, that last scene that you're talking about when it lingers on this creature for a while, that's the scene when I was really like, you know, she has she has some beautiful lips. I'll give her that. You, you know, you're always looking for the good in people and monsters, and I think that that's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I never hate the things you expect me to hate. I don't. Now I'm curious what parts disgusted you. I think you'll you'll be aligned when I describe which parts disgusted me (laughs) okay (laughs) i can't wait i think i mean i guess technically we've started our formal discussion of the episode but i'd like to um move away from the monster and just note that like scully is like really wearing forward bangs in this episode she is. She is. And I know I've said this previously in season one, but now I really think it. Um, 
<laughs> I am curious if Jillian Anderson is pregnant at this time. Because, again, I feel like Scully's wardrobe right now is very kind of, like, big and flowy. I do think you'd think one of us would have Googled when she had a baby by now. But I do think it was season two that she did. So it is – or was pregnant. So it's highly possible that, um, you know, you are correctly observing their attempts at hiding – Jillian's pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, But either way, if not, she still looks great, but she does have very forward bangs. She does. I was like, okay, okay, so when Scully's not on the X-Files, she's just, like, a little different. Yeah. Yeah, just a little different. Maybe she's just trying something new because she's meeting new people. She's trying to reinvent herself now that she's not on the X-Files. Yeah, I guess so. Or maybe she just doesn't, and not to say she looks bad, but maybe she doesn't care as much uh, what she looks like because she's not seeing Mulder every day. Only some days. That's true. They're still managing to see each other a significant amount. Um, Yeah, yeah. So good for them. Yeah, really glad for them. Yeah, they, I mean, she in this episode is very adamant of, you know, them maintaining a relationship and, like, really wants him to know how much his presence in her life means to her and really warmed my heart. They have a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, too, but they have a lot of very romantic uh, late-night bench meetings. They do. And I mean, a lot of park sits. A lot of park sits, and there's really nothing more romantic than a park sit. Yeah. Especially a late night one. Mm hmm. Yeah. Do you want to start at the beginning, or like, do we just want to start at the end and work our way backwards? Like, maybe season two, we just go a little, little. Do wild. everything, do everything a little bit backwards. I think, I think let's start at the beginning because let's set up how gross this episode is. Um, we start on a big cargo ship, I believe, and the toilets are overflowing, and boy, are they overflowing a lot. There's a lot of sewage, uh, and some one of the guys on the cargo ship is trying to fix the overflowing toilets, trying to fix the problem, and gets pulled underwater under this, uh, I'm assuming, you know, poopy water by our previously mentioned creature with beautiful lips. Yeah, that... <laughs> That was a disgusting description. So, um, A plus, I guess you very accurately captured the start of this episode. Yeah. And from there on, you know, this is really what we're in for for the entire episode. It's just a lot of sewage and a lot of people being pulled under sewage. A lot of people making faces as if they're smelling shit because they are. Um <laughs> That really happens in most scenes, I think. Yeah. So what you're trying to say is that the actors in this episode are phenomenal uh, because we could really tell that they were smelling shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. They really practiced that bad smell face in the mirror and they all nailed it. Very, very believable work here on episode two. Yes. And I do just want to mention that whenever the guys on the cargo ship are trying to fix the overflowing toilet problem, somebody says to flush the tank, which I can only assume means to empty the tank into the ocean. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just like to say, guys, that's what we're swimming in. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the ocean is absolutely full of shit and i think lots of other garbage and waste um because we love planet earth here on earth and we take care of it very well everyone says that that's what everybody says is everybody says that everyone on earth does a really good job taking care of earth um because we love it this is not related to the (laughs) x-files But this scene about flushing the tank did make me think of a story about the Dave Matthews band. So go with me on this this journey here. Um, The Dave Matthews band was on tour. They had a tour bus, as you might know on tour buses. You know, it's kind of like an RV. You go to the bathroom on a tour bus. You have a septic tank. For whatever reason, the Dave Matthews Band tour bus ended up emptying their septic tank on a bridge into the river just as a, uh, like, passenger boat was passing by. And so not only did they dump their shit into this river, but they also literally dumped it on people. Wow. Wow. How do you know about this? Um... These are the kind of stories that I'm looking into. These are the kind of stories I'm I'm looking out for. Were those people pissed or did they like, were they like big fans of the Dave Matthews band? So they were like kind of mad, but like kind of okay with it. They were kind of excited. Yeah, they felt honored by it. Yeah, maybe. Um, Oh, they were extremely angry. And I believe this happened maybe early 2000s, maybe in the 90s. Um, and the Dave Matthews band got a lot of flack for it. They, people weren't happy. Mm. Well, there you have it. There you have it. That is, that's a disgusting story. So, uh, (laughs) wow. And that's what I started thinking of at the beginning of this episode. You know, I think Mulder in this episode probably feels like what the people on that boat felt like when they got shit dumped on them. I think he's in a similar emotional state. Oh, absolutely. He feels like shit, and that is, you know, very apparent. Yeah, and he's surrounded by it. Uh, Yeah. And why? So the first time we see him, um, people are opening the door to whatever room that he's in listening to uh the surveillance he's doing he's once again amongst sunflower seeds but why is the room that he's in it just it looks like a dark metal dungeon it like literally looks like they put him in like a shipping container or something 
Yeah, for some reason, Mulder is never allowed to work anywhere with windows. He's, you know, the X-Files office is in a basement. This one is like, I don't know, the dungeon below the basement. It's like wherever they would use to torture people is where Mulder will work. It's very, it's very upsetting. Yeah, I mean, maybe he requested it because he was just so upset. He was like, I just want to be in a dark room. I hate my job. I hate my life. I don't want to see the daylight. <laughs> but, like, literally all the walls are metal. Yeah, I have no clue. And it's What's a tiny the truth, room. FBI? Yeah, what is you the have truth? offices? What? Yeah. Yeah, FBI. Where are your offices? Are they shipping containers? Don't you lie to us. I, do you think at this point in time Mulder is eating anything other than sunflower seeds? Um, no. I think, like, maybe once a week he treats himself to a hot dog. Mm, okay, yeah. I don't know I why, that. but that just feels right. Yeah, yeah, that seems right to me, too. How he's alive, I don't know, but he must be withering away. <laughs> no sunlight, no nutrients, surrounded by sewage water. He's really at risk, I think. He's he's high risk. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> uh, but Skinner pulls him out of the surveillance job and puts him... Basically on an X-File case, although Mulder doesn't realize that it's an X-File case. No, he definitely doesn't. He thinks it's just some bullshit murder case where he has to walk through shit and he's just on a wild goose chase and, you know, everyone's out to get him. When really, motherfucker, you're on an X-File. Yeah. This feels like the first time he's been put in a scenario where he doesn't think anything strange is happening. And I think it's because he's just so angry. He's very angry, and I think it's blinding him. But it's like, I mean, they took him off of his normal torturous job for a murder case, and I would have immediately been like, that seems a little strange. Um, I'm already suspicious of what I'm doing here, but he just took it as more torture, I guess. And I guess I understand why, because they're putting him on a case where he has to be in sewage a lot. He does. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's it's punishment and reward. He's getting an X-File, but he has to walk through shit. So, I don't know. I... When I saw this happen, I think I was very surprised that Skinner gave Mulder this case. And I know I mentioned this last week, but I guess I just, like, don't really understand where Skinner is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, like, I don't know. Obviously, I've been told to trust no one, so I don't trust him. But it seems like he is pro-X-Files. Yeah, I think he is reading that way at this point because he's so often, or at least we hear it in this episode where he's like, you know, we all have our commands from someone and like 
basically, I'm not the one who shut down the X-Files. I just did what I was told to do. And essentially, if it were up to him, he wouldn't have. So it's, it's, it's hard to say, but it does seem like he's pro X-Files. Also, you know, if he gets his orders from other people, someone else really was the one that put Mulder on this case. Was it perhaps the guy that kept calling him? I mean, it kind of seems like it. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. But that makes sense because I was going to say I didn't understand if Skinner knew this was an X-File when he put Mulder on it. But it makes more sense that he was just directed to do it. Yeah, I think he was probably just directed Um yeah, I don't know. I would assume someone knew. Be- I mean, we're really getting all over the place here, but like, you know, someone slipped that paper under Scully's door later on that allows her to connect the pieces. And so someone is acting as an informant and therefore someone already knew what was going on and was trying to get Mulder to prove it so that the X-Files could be reinstated. And it seems like Skinner's just kind of a a piece in that person's game. Yeah, that all checks out. Well, in the scene following when Skinner puts him on the case, I believe the next scene is the first time that Mulder and Scully have one of their late night park bench meets. It definitely is. And, you know, there's some sweet witty banter to start. There is, there is. Um, And then Mulder confesses he's thinking about leaving the FBI, and he tells Scully that Scully is the only reason he would stay. Well, the idea of working with Scully is the only reason he would stay, but the, the bigger powers won't let that happen. Yeah. I mean, he, she's, she's, like, trying to convince him to stay, wants him to, like, come back to the behavioral science unit and work with her at Quantico. And he's like, they're not going to let that happen. But yeah, he's really only staying there for the hope of one day working with her again. And she's like on board. She's like, I'll, what's the case? I'll autopsy the body. Like we're partners. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. They both desperately want to work together, but I guess I have like a, bigger question and obviously the easy answer to this is um they couldn't be together because the show needed to go on for you know 10 more seasons but my question is if Mulder and Scully are no longer working together so they don't have that preventing them from dating they don't think that they could work together in the future then why aren't they dating at this point? This is a great question. Um, I'd like to give a few random excuses. Number one, Mulder is depressed and only eats sunflower seeds and spends all his time in a metal box. Skelly is not interested in living uh, that kind of life. Okay. That's, I think, a pretty prime reason. Um... 
Number two is that, you know, the work is still the most important thing to them. And, you know, Mulder at least is going to prioritize that and knows that if he were to be with Scully, then, you know, they'd obviously fall madly in love and get married. And it would really divert a lot of his attention. Um, I feel like I have to come up with a third reason. It sounded like you were leading to a third. Yeah, it did. And that's why I said I think I should have one. But I don't. Those were the main two that I thought of. I mean, the third one, the third one is that, uh, you know, they've realized that a lot of their sexual chemistry lies in working together. And, you know, now it's just not so fun. Hmm, interesting. I can definitely see all those points. I think the point about Mulder being depressed and only eating sunflower seeds, um, I think that's a, <laughs> that's a valid point. I don't know if Mulder at this point is emotionally capable, capable of having a relationship. Um, he seems pretty... He's doing better than he was in the first episode of this season, but he's he's not fully back yet. No, he's still quite unstable. Yeah, pretty angry, pretty depressed, obviously pretty nutrient deficient. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> he's a shell of a man at this point. Yeah, a sunflower seed shell of a man. There it is. There it is. And also, I I do think that probably in their mind, the work being the most important thing is something that's true. Although, I would argue that they could both quit and just do this on a freelance kind of private investigator way. I think you're right, they could. But I think as much as Scully is into this now compared to how uh, she was at the start... She is not invested enough to quit her job. <laughs> yeah, she's not I mean, there yet. She decided not to become a doctor to work for the FBI, and she's not going to quit to chase aliens with her boyfriend, not boyfriend. Well, hearing you talk through this, I think that that is why Scully has not slept with Mulder, because she knows... Once she sleeps with him, you know, she's not going to have a choice. She's just going to give it all up for love. And she would leave and be a freelance alien hunter uh, if she was dating Mulder. I mean, where is this fanfic? Because I can picture it vividly. And, I mean, what a life they live. Um, Yeah, I mean, clearly I've already started writing it. Yeah. If you could send me the latest chapter, that would be great. I'll read it at the end of this season. (laughs) Okay, so Scully does autopsy this body for Mulder, even though he's, like, you know, kind of resistant to any of her, you know, kind words. And she finds, like, a little worm uh coming out of the body after she cuts it open 
And I thought that was pretty gross, but I don't know. Maybe you liked its full lips. <laughs> no, that one, I didn't see its lips. Um, okay. if, if I had, I, I probably would have liked it. But I was also disturbed by this because she's doing this autopsy for a long time before this worm crawls out. Uh, so it was just like in there hanging out while she was like removing the rib cage and doing all this other gross stuff. Um, and I don't, I, I don't like thinking about that. Yeah. It, it was in there it, just squirming around. Uh, it is gross. I mean, just a worm in a body is, is and it's very big. It's not a traditional worm size. It's no, like it's like a flat worm that's pretty big. It's like a a massive slug. <laughs> yeah. And when it crawls out behind one of this one of these organs, it just kind of like peeks its head out and then like goes back in. Yeah. Which I find to be upsetting. It's like, I actually liked it better in there, and then retreats, and Scully's like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, and she, I mean, she's startled by it, but she doesn't have the reaction that I would expect her to have when this very large thing is moving around in this body she's been in. Yeah, she's just kind of like, oh, and then, you know, doesn't, maybe she just can't let herself think about it too much. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Her, it's her years of medical training. Uh, preparing her for the worms in the body that she's sure to find. Yeah, I mean, you know there's a class on what if there's a worm in the body. Mm, I don't want to take that class. <laughs> but as this is happening elsewhere, there is a another worker in the sewer who gets attacked by one of these things. He survives but has a big gross wound on his back. And then he goes to the doctor um, where Mulder meets him there and kind of just walks into his doctor's appointment. Yeah, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't understand that scene, uh, I think at all, but he's just like, I'm here, I'm here too. <laughs> he's also such a, he's a huge dick to this doctor who I think like says to him, like, what do you think happened? And Mulder's like, no, what do you think happened? And then literally right after he asks that, looks at his watch, like very, he makes a big show of looking at his watch. Like he doesn't have time for this. Yeah, he's clearly still upset that he's even on this case. He's mad at the FBI for it, but he's taking it all out on this poor woman who's just like, I don't know, I'm a doctor. I'm just examining this guy. And I'll also say neither of them seem concerned about what's uh on his back even though it's incredibly concerning it is and while he's there scully calls him and is like oh there was a parasite in this body and Mulder looks at this bite mark and he still doesn't care like he 
everything is going over his head in this episode. Yeah. He's like so upset that he's unwilling to look at this the way he would look at any other case. I mean, if this was just a normal X-File case and none of this other stuff had happened, he would have immediately put some shit together that in this one, you're just like, Mulder, come on, man. Like, let's really think about this. Let's look at the evidence. Yeah. He's just, uh, he's, he's, his anger is blinding him and he's missing all the obvious clues. He is like nothing. I think that we know of, uh, can create the kind of mark that was on that guy's back. Like that shit was quite intense. It was, and it was upsetting. Um, and I also just want to call out that I think that this doctor was wearing a wig. Oh, interesting. I'm pretty sure. She also seemed to be styled. I mean, her wig wasn't a gray wig, but it was definitely kind of like an old ladyish wig. And she was styled with huge glasses. And I thought she looked like uh, somebody out of the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's like they really liked this actress, but they were like, yeah, but we want you to be kind of totally different. So we're going to get you a wig. Yeah, for absolutely no reason, because you are an adult woman who could be a doctor, we need you to look older. So really wear these huge bifocal glasses and this wig. And, you know, that was a costuming choice that was made. And, um... And here we are. <laughs> and she gets to be disrespected by Mulder. Yeah, they were like, no, you, you need to look like this so that uh, Mulder can really disrespect you. <laughs> yeah. I, I could be wrong about this, but I think that during this doctor's appointment is also when Mulder gets the first call from somebody saying that they're a friend in the FBI. Yes, you are you are right about that. That is when and that's that's all that is really said. Yeah, that's all we know. It's somebody who's in a big red chair. I don't know who it is. I don't really have any guesses as to who it is. Mhm. I know who it is, but only because I've seen it before. Yeah, well, that makes sense. There have been no clues up until this point, I can tell you that. Okay. Well, I was kind of assuming that it isn't somebody that I've seen before, but I guess I'll just have to wait and see. Indeed. Indeed you will. I do like that later Mulder kind of brings up this call to Scully and is like, you know, I don't want you, you know, like creating a whole thing for me. I don't need you to launch a campaign, he says. And it's like, first of all, if she had said something to someone at the FBI, like, why would that have been their response to go about it? Like, that is not how someone that Scully had, like, tried to get on their side would contact them and say that they're in support of them. Right. It really is kind of sad because Mulder is thinking, 
I guess that Scully's just going around being like, hey, Mulder's super depressed and maybe going to leave. Can you just like call him and say you're his friend? <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is really sad. And also it's just sad that he, like he has an X-File that's right in front of him and he won't accept that that's there. He gets this creepy call from somebody at the FBI, FBI that he dismisses when previously he would have been like super into it and like trying to find out who this person is and what they know. But I think he's just like honestly so depressed and has given up on the idea that good, exciting things are going to happen to him that he's just like not believing any of this stuff anymore. Yeah, Mulder is really lost. We're seeing a very lost Mulder here. I I really feel for him. It's 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 very heart wrenching. It is. He will be okay, though. You know, he'll bounce back. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. The rest of the show is him like this. <laughs> I mean, the X Files is really just all a metaphor for depression, right? That's what the whole show's about. Yes, that's 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 what they're trying to get at. <laughs> Great. The PSA for mental health. <laughs> now, this isn't like a park bench scene, but it has a similar vibe. When they're in there and they're chatting and Scully tells him about the worm and he tells her about the bite and she's like, well, it couldn't be from that. And, you know they're talking about it and she's like you know it really feels like old times and it's it does it does feel like old times because this is an x-file you guys yeah you idiots both of you yeah. come on they start arguing over how big the parasite can get and then scully kind of stops and laughs and is like wow it felt like old times um which is you know what you mentioned earlier about you know, their attention really coming from arguing about the cases, which I think is true. Yeah, they, you know, they, they thrive on that kind of uh, back and forth. It's playful for them. It's banter. Foreplay. It's very extended foreplay. <laughs> it is years-long foreplay. That's dedication. It is commitment on a new level. I don't want to shift gears harshly into an upsetting uh, moment. Oh, but, but we're going to. We're gonna, because that's what happens in the episode. And uh, the guy who got attacked and survived and had the bite mark, he is in his bathroom and he's uh, brushing his teeth and then, and I don't I don't understand it. He starts eating the toothpaste and he's just like really, really putting, you know, just like dripping this toothpaste into his mouth. He's really and eating it. I, mean, I really want to know what does that have to do with the parasite and why am I being shown this? Yeah, it doesn't seem to be connected at all to this parasite. He's just, like, brushing his teeth, and then he adds more toothpaste, and then he adds more, and then he adds more, and then he just starts, like, squeezing the tube directly into his mouth. And I, I, there has been no indication thus far that this parasite feeds on toothpaste or is attracted to it or needs it. 
Mm-mm. And yet, this is what happens to this man. And then, you know, he goes to spit, and it's just, like, blood pouring out of his mouth with toothpaste. Maybe the toothpaste thing is not even related. Maybe that's just what he does every night. (laughs) And when he spits and it's blood, that's what's new here. Yeah. This is this guy's routine. He goes through a tube a night. And, uh, but there's usually not blood. So that's what we should be paying attention to. Yeah, that's what's concerning. Um, But then he gets in the shower and he... Uh, he coughs up, essentially, um, one of these large worms. And does he die from that? I think he does. I think that he does die. But this this worm goes down the shower drain, so it's back out there. It is back out there. What I can't... I think what I haven't quite put together, and maybe I just missed something... But, like, they talk, I mean, this episode's called The Host, and they talk about these worms looking for hosts, but, like, they're not, they keep leaving them. They just need to feed on toothpaste for a little while, and then they're like, all right, I'm satisfied. Mm -hmm. What's the game plan for this? What are the lukeworms? Flukes, yeah. I don't know if this is correct. I had the same question because at first I thought, like, are these people turning into these huge uh, things that are like human-worm hybrids, which I don't think is is what happens. I think maybe what's happening here is whenever um, one of these, like, fully grown things bites a human, it lays eggs in the human and the host is essentially like an incubator for the eggs and then mm-hmm. when the creature becomes a worm then it doesn't need the host anymore because it's really like about the incubation which they never directly say they just say it's looking for a host but from what's happening that that seems to be the case that makes a lot more sense and i'm really glad that um you were able to put that together for me yeah, you're welcome. Um, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy that I had to think about that and to see it and to <laughs> describe it. Um, but I am glad that I was able to provide you with some clarity. Yeah, I mean, you had to suffer for for my clarification. Um, and for that, I am grateful. I guess it's what, what's unclear to me is how many of these things are out there. Because we have this little one that goes through the drain, and then it's just out there. But we also, I think, have at least one fully grown one that's out in the water that keeps attacking people. And I'm unclear on if there's more. Um, yeah, I don't think that we know. I guess it seems possible. But there is no um, indication one way or the other, I I didn't think. I guess they they just never follow up about the little one that goes through the drain. 
Like, I don't think we ever deal with that one. That one's just out there. But there is another fully grown one that they then catch. Right. And, like, do they, do they all get that big? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But I don't know for sure. Um, but let's talk about that big one, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one with luscious lips. Luscious lips, luscious lips. So they're at like um, a sanitation facility, a sewage facility, I believe. And they're like, you know, they have all the sewage equipment. I, I don't know what it is, but they're like filtering the water, I guess. Um, and they catch one of these things in it. And it's in this tube where they can all come look at it. And it's this huge, gross creature that doesn't necessarily look like a worm doesn't look like a person just looks very upsetting but has very beautiful lips um and three grown men see this thing that should shock them and none of them make a sound and they all just look at it yeah i mean i would imagine as a sanitation worker you probably see some weird shit but this seems extreme even even for that job. I mean, this seems like scream-worthy or at least gasp-worthy. But yeah, no, definitely. Not, not for these men. No. These men are like, I guess I should have somebody else come look at it. <laughs> I guess this is what we're dealing with today. Just another day at the sewage plant. <laughs> I mean, this and what they see, like what we're from the angle we're shown this thing, it kind of does look like a fucked up person a bit. Like it obviously doesn't have like arms and legs, but it has kind of like a human-ish face, just like fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would almost think that that they think that it needs rescuing or something right. like, but they're like, but- leave it in the tube. Well, they do leave it in the tube, which I guess they, they, you know, assume that it can breathe underwater and are correct. But then I I think what they do with it is absolutely insane because they take it out of the water. How do they know it can survive out of the water? I don't know. And then they put it in a room in a psychiatric facility, like, like it's a psychiatric patient. Yeah, they're like, this uh, it needs to be evaluated. And it's like, what? can you look at it again? <laughs> I think you missed something the first time. Like, they literally put this thing in a room with a bed. I, I don't understand what they think it is and what they think is happening. Um, no, they don't. They're not thinking is what's happening because this was a creature living in a sewer and like attacking people maybe they haven't put that together but they should and a psychiatric evaluation of a sewage creature just seems absurd absolutely absurd and dangerous and again i will say how did they know that this thing could survive out of water they didn't i think they didn't care they were like, well, to put either it. we get it evaluated or it will die and we're fine either way. Yeah, no losses there. 
the risk they were willing to take. When Mulder looks at it in the, like the psychiatric facility in the room and he's like looking around the room for it and I realized what was happening, I was just, I was, I was shocked. I was blown away that that was the decision that was made. <laughs> yeah, you were more shocked than the sanitation workers were at finding this thing. Absolutely. And rightfully so. It was absurd. A lot of ridiculous things happen in this episode, really. <laughs> and I feel like they're made even more ridiculous by the fact that, like, no one is acknowledging any of it. No. Like, if you worked, if you were a therapist who worked in a psychiatric facility, and you're just, like, walking down the hall, checking on your patients, and then you get to a new patient, and it's a huge worm? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <And> you- <laughs> Do you think, you know, they were briefed on it? They were like, okay, we have someone new coming in, and they're a little different. <laughs> they're a worm. They're a humanoid. Um, and we just want you to see if, you know, they're mentally sound or not. Yeah, just figure them out. You know, give them a Rorschach test. See what they're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, are they verbal? And we're like, we don't know. <laughs> probably not, though. And they probably will try to kill you. Yeah, so good luck, and let us know as soon as you can. <laughs> uh, I don't want to skip over that while this is happening. Um, Scully gets the tabloid slipped under her door by whoever this friend is. Right. Now, as um, some may remember, I enjoy pausing TV shows and movies and reading what's on the magazines that uh, maybe they don't expect us to read, maybe they don't expect us to uh, look at. And I just want to read some of the headlines that are on this uh, tabloid, if that sounds good. That sounds incredible. Great. Um, Okay, so this tabloid is called The National Comment. Uh, No, The National the National Comet, so it's space-related. And these are some of the headlines. We start off pretty tame. Uh, Princess Diana spotted with racquetball instructor. Now that's extremely normal. Then we get a little bit stranger. Uh, Aliens fixed my teeth. Gifted dentist exposes secret. So... (laughs) Okay. There's a lot of things here. Um, when we say aliens fixed my teeth, is that the gifted dentist saying aliens fix the dentist teeth? Or was the dentist secretly contracting out to aliens to fix their patient's teeth? I'm willing to bet it's that one. Okay. That's what I thought also. Um, and I would love to read that story. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And can I see that dentist? Yeah. I imagine you probably can. (laughs) The next headline is, and this is accompanied with a photo that kind of looks like the Mona Lisa, but isn't exactly, probably because they would have some type of copyright issue (laughs) if they put the real Mona Lisa on there. Um, But it was mid-century portrait painting comes to life. Wow. And they were really clear here. It's a it's a portrait painting. 
Yes. A portrait painting is different than a painting and different than a portrait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to have both of those words there. Both words are necessary. And it came to life. This Mona Lisa essentially came to life. Mm-hmm. It came to life. Unclear on if that meant it was alive in the painting or if it became, you know, 4D and came out of the painting. Oh, interesting. I'd be interested in both versions of that. Yeah, both of those are pretty exciting. Um, Okay, and this is the last headline, which is famous film director's head explodes. Wow. Okay. No. No word on which famous film director it was, but uh, they are famous, and their head did explode. Uh, how? <laughs> no clue. But, you know, that's what's weird about it. And that's why the, the National Comet, Comet is writing about it. Yeah, it just seems, you know, pretty rare for only a head to explode and not the rest of the body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it was the rest of the body, I think that that would be in your standard newspaper. Right. Yeah. That's that is not quite as unique. Wow. I'm so so glad that uh, you pick up on these things. It really I mean, I would miss out on so much without it. Yeah, I thought uh, this was a great, a great uh few headlines here and I I just really enjoyed how it started very normal um and then got increasingly strange yeah good for them someone someone sat and thought about all those and put them together and nobody reviewed it and they just put it in the show Mm -hmm. yeah aliens fix fixed my teeth gifted dentist exposes secret I mean, that is on brand. Like, I wish that was an episode. I'm disappointed to hear that it's not. Because uh, <laughs> that sounds like an interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be fun if that was, like, a little foreshadowing? But I guess, I mean, somebody slips this uh, tabloid under Scully's door because it has an article about the cargo ship. Uh, and what happened on the cargo ship. Right. I guess proving that sometimes tabloids tell the truth. Yeah, it was an interesting thing to even be included in a tabloid. It seemed like a pretty standard news story, but, you know, it happened to cover this, and pretty accurately, it seems... Yeah, and I guess up until this point, Scully and Mulder didn't know who the first body they found was. Like, they hadn't identified that body, so this story tells Scully where that body came from. Right. And because when she did the autopsy, she noticed, you know, like, a tattoo marking that then linked to this because it was Russian, and... She was able to put all her puzzle pieces together. Yeah, yeah. And she shares that information with Mulder, who, well, you know, I think he's impressed. He's impressed by it, but 
I don't know if he gives her the level of credit that he should. No, and Mulder really never does, and it is, you know, really one of his biggest flaws. Constantly mm-hmm. letting me down. And, you know, Scully, I guess, really. Yeah. He deserves yeah. more. But, you know, as we've said, he's depressed, and he doesn't have a lot of emotional energy to give. Yeah, I guess not. And I'm sure she's understanding of that, but it's like, where do we draw the line? Yeah. Yeah. Scully does tell him, because she just, she keeps bringing up how he wants to leave the FBI, and she's just, like, desperate for him not to leave. Um, And she tells him, around this scene where they're talking about this, that she would consider it more than a professional loss if he decided to leave. Mm. So it, it would be a personal loss for her. It would be a personal loss. And it would be because she enjoys seeing him on a daily basis. And, you know, right now, the context in which that happens is, is at work. Yeah, and they could be dating, but as we've already talked about, Mulder doesn't get enough nutrients for that to be happening right now. Yeah, you know, Scully's only going to date a well-fed man. <laughs> yep. Who gets Sorry, the recommended amount of sunlight. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I, I think what happens next um, is that... Mulder goes to talk to Skinner. I believe that he thinks they're transporting this uh, large worm that they've caught somewhere, like maybe to another psychiatric facility. Um, They're doing something with it. And uh, he also learns that the uh, other man, the other victim who had gotten bitten has died. Um, and I think he, he tells Skinner that uh, this should have been an X-File and Agent Scully and he could have prevented the death if it had been an X-File. And Skinner agrees with him. Yeah, Skinner fully agrees. This is when we see Skinner in his true form of, you know, being like, I, like this, none of this is my call, okay? I This is an X-File, and you're right, and you should be doing this, but I can't really say that to you, and I wouldn't have shut down the X-Files if I wasn't told to. Yeah. Yeah, he really blames it on other people, and we don't know who those other people are. Mystery people, you know? He's like, I'm just the assistant director, okay? You know, talk to my boss. You know, I, I hate to be nitpicky with what Mulder says, but he says that he and Scully could have prevented this death if they were on the case. But I would argue that Mulder was actively on this case and was just ignoring it. And maybe, I'm sorry to say, Mulder, maybe you could have prevented that death had you been paying attention to what was happening. Yeah, I think he definitely could have. I think what he's trying to say is that he doesn't recognize that something's an X-File unless it's an (laughs) X-File, which is a bit absurd. Um, But, you know, I do get that if they were on the X-Files and they got this case, it'd be like, okay, let's look for something weird. 
But, um, you know, it is ridiculous that they didn't uh, start to put things together earlier. And I'm not sure that they could have saved this person anyway. But, you know, we'll let him be on his high horse because he's all angry and he's like, I could have done something. And I guess he gets validation because Skinner agrees with him. Yeah, Skinner's like, fuck, whatever. Like, (laughs) (laughs) sure, Mulder, you're right. Like, so the the worm is being transported, the worm man. Um, and then suddenly it is it is no longer where it's supposed to be. Right. It gets out. It kills the person. Yeah, it kills the person that was transporting it. Um, And it ends up at some lake, some camp that is also a lake. And I I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why this happens. But instead of going into the lake, this creature goes into the toilet in a porta potty. And I guess that speaks to it being drawn to poop. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure if this worm eats poop or toothpaste. Yeah. How are the two related? Um, I would love to know because they're really at opposite ends of the body. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it needs. It needs, you know, opposite ends. Well, maybe it needs to eat the poop and then it needs to clean its mouth afterwards. So it it needs both. Yeah, I guess that's highly possible. It's like, I live in shit. I must clean my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) This is really, when I said, like, there were upsetting parts to me, this, I think, is the main uh, upsetting part of this episode to me because this creature goes into this porta potty at night, goes into the toilet, and is then just in this toilet, in the porta potty, in the dark, waiting for someone to sit down on that toilet. And um, that that's really upsetting to me. Yeah, I really, I really do not um, like the thought of that. My whole body just really clenched, really tense over here right now. Um, I mean, that is... Porta potties are already bad enough. It's just... uh, I'll just throw that out there. I don't think we need to be making them worse. No, we do not need to add some element of horror to an already disturbing experience. But, you know, we have, and we can never uh, unthink it. Do you want to hear a fun fact about me? Um, yes. Uh, it was only this past year that I went in a porta potty for the first time. What? Yeah. Used a porta potty for the first time this past year. And, uh, I don't think I'm going to be using one again. How did you live so much of your life without? going into a porta potty. Mm, yeah, I just um 
I really didn't like public bathrooms for a long time and avoided them at all costs. And now I can go in like a normal indoor public bathroom, but porta potties, I still would just avoid if at all possible. I would just be in pain to not have to go into a porta potty for the most part until this year when I decided, you know what, I'm an adult and I can do this. But now that I've seen this episode in the X-Files, I, I, I don't think that's still true. Wow. That is, I mean, first of all, something I didn't know about you. And second of all is, I think, impressive, shocking. Um, you know, I'm envious, I think. Yeah. That I've, you know, I, yeah, I I've appreciate used that. so many. And you've used one. <laughs> That's really upsetting to hear you say that you've used so many. I don't, I don't judge you for it. Um, oh, I can hear the judgment, Alana. <laughs> I exclusively use porta potties. Okay. Yeah, that's been a real tough thing in our friendship. I mean, there can be a lovely working indoor toilet, and I will say absolutely not. I. We'll find a porta potty to use. Disgusting. Just an awful trait that you have. Oh. <laughs> Never once got bitten on the butt by a worm man, though. So, you know, I think I've. I've Could happen. I, yeah, I might have to reevaluate my, uh, my lifestyle choice. You know what I didn't? realize about porta potties until I used one for the first time this year is that um there so I when I went into one it was at night so it was obviously dark outside but I guess at any time it's dark in a porta potty right because there's no lights yeah it's pretty dark um I mean I guess if you go in during the day you have a little more light because there's often like not I would I don't want to call them windows but like kind of a section at the top that allows some light to pass through but it's usually relatively dark inside yes mm -hmm. yeah just perfect for something to be hiding in the toilet yeah i mean it's it's a gross and dark experience well uh, so i guess something i also didn't know about porta potties was how they drain them because I mean, it makes sense. I guess I just, like, never spent any time thinking about it. But some sewage uh, worker comes and puts a huge hose in the porta potty toilet and just sucks all that stuff up into uh, his truck and including this huge worm thing. Yeah, I mean, I've used porta potties and I've never really thought about what happens when I leave them. Um, and I think that you know, that's really just a, the human condition. But I guess it does make sense that this is how they do it. I, I, I kind of feel like <laughs> there is a part of my mind that's like, don't they just throw it away? But, like, that's, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> They're not disposable porta potties Oh, you're saying, like, they throw the whole. They just throw the porta potty away. Yeah, I mean, I know that 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 is not at all a thing, but it kind of seems like what would happen. They're like, I don't know, this one's full. 
God, we would be overrun with porta potties if that's what was happening. <laughs> so many porta potties just filling our landmines. <laughs> that's a that's a nightmare world. Yeah, I'm glad that we figured out how to you know put a hose up there and and just drain them. I'm glad that we both learned that that's how they do it and um, that that's how this worm man might leave a porta body on accident or on purpose. It depends on the worm man's intentions. Yeah, because I guess otherwise, it just seems like the worm man would have been in the porta potty forever. Like he just climbed in that toilet and was like, all right, this is where I am. Yeah, and I think he maybe would have been okay with that. He's like, this is nice. It's, you know, it's smaller than my last home, but <laughs> otherwise relatively similar. Yeah, I, he seems pretty content in it. Um, but then he's sucked up and I guess put back into the sewage facility. Yeah, basically he's like taken back to kind of where he came from. Maybe a different facility, but same concept seems like where he's just gonna keep ending up all roads lead to sewage facilities yeah i mean that's that is accurate and that is this this worm's life journey but Mulder ends up having to go into the sewer and that was something that i said i expected last week was a lot of Mulder in sewers and i guess it wasn't as much as i expected but he does have to go in the sewer and he does have to swim around in the in the water in the sewer yeah he does and you know you predicted that for for sweet sweet molter and he he has to you know save a man's life in there he does have to, and he does it well. And I, I guess just to be transparent, I did write in my notes, Mulder in the sewer water with a bunch of exclamation points. And I believe what I was feeling here was a mix of, uh, I was upset for him, I was kind of disgusted, but I was also kind of excited by seeing him in the water. <laughs> Was the ex explain the excitement a little more? You know, um, I don't know. He, he's just splashing around in the water, and I'm upset for him, and I'm disgusted. But I'm also visually like, you know, I, he's being a hero here, and he's doing so in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah he is all of those things are true it it wasn't it wasn't my least favorite moment of the episode uh yeah i got that it was like i think somehow maybe your favorite in some ways that i think that's not inaccurate to say it was definitely one of the most exciting moments. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Um, and he ends up cutting this large worm humanoid thing in half um, in a very clever way. And to that, I say, great job, Mulder. Okay, so 
I I agree. Great job, Mulder. Except, like, did we not all learn about worms that, like, you can cut them in half and they'll just be two worms? Mm. We because did all learn that. Yeah. We all know that. And, you know, they talked about how it reproduces on its own. And it's like, well, it, if you cut it in half, it's, it's not a human. It's mm-hmm. not going to die. You made two of them. Wow. That's a really good point and one that I hadn't considered. I guess I would assume that they do something with the body that they just, like, don't leave it down there. Uh, but we're not shown that. So, I mean, maybe they do. Yeah, we're really not shown it. And frankly, like, sorry, but if you're chopping a humanoid worm monster in half in the sewage system, it seems like maybe you should clean it out. But I guess not. Mm-hmm. I guess that is not in their uh, in their practice. Um, and I mean, it seems like th- they don't take it out based on the last scene of the episode. What's the what's what happens in the last scene? It's the the worm guy's face. He's there. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, it could be that worm guy, or it could be, you know, the little one that's now fully grown, who's also mm. in the water. It could be, but I think it's that guy. Yeah, that's fair. That's very stupid of them to just leave it there. Yeah, I agree. But I was just thinking, I mean, the other worms, are they going to look like that when they get big or are they not? Because they talk about how this creature may have been, I don't know if created is the right word, but come from you know, the after effects of Chernobyl and mm-hmm. it, you know, they're looking at pictures of people that are disfigured because of radiation. And it seems like they're implying that this creature was like bred essentially in that environment. And I don't know if that means it's, like, a part human and that's why it's like this or if it's some other animal that mutated. But I'm unclear if all of its little worm babies will look 100% the same. I think that they will. Um, And I think my understanding was, like you said, this was... Um, an animal, I guess maybe a fluke um, that was affected by the radiation and became a different species. Um, Because I think Mulder even says something like, I don't remember the wording he uses exactly, but he says something like two species um, disappear every day and we never, you know, stop to think what new ones are being created. And so I think the idea is, like, this isn't just one of these things, but this is, like, a breed of these things that the Russian ship uh, brought over here. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that that's an, a pretty iconic line when he says that about, we're not thinking about what's what's 
you know, being created. And I'm like, motherfucker, if it's this, I'm not pleased. But <laughs> I guess I don't really know what a version of this, uh, you know, new creations I would be pleased with. Yeah. I did think while watching this, and I don't expect you to know the answer to it, and I didn't Google it, but I did wonder, like, I feel like there's a lot of um, pieces of media like this that are about radiation, you know, creating a new species. Um, and I, I guess I wonder if anything like that has happened as a result of Chernobyl or any other nuclear disasters. I haven't heard of any. Yeah, I haven't either, but I mean, I would have to think that something has and whether we just haven't discovered it yet or whether it's been discovered and like destroyed or hidden from the public. I don't know, but all of them seem possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Mulder and Scully are talking about this um, on their last of this episode, uh, night bench meetings. They do another one. Uh, and it's just as romantic. <laughs> it's just as romantic. It, you know, even these photos from Chernobyl, <laughs> they just add to the ambiance. Yeah, classic date stuff to look at. Yeah, sweet, romantic. Classic Mulder and Scully, really, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Mulder tells her, I think, about one of, because he, he, I think I got, I think he got two phone calls from this mysterious friend in the FBI, and one of them said, this case has to be successful. Reinstating the X-Files has to be undeniable. And... When this episode ended, I was like, okay, well, was this case successful? Is the X-Files being reinstated? I don't know that we clarified that. Yeah, we definitely didn't. But I think that phone call kind of was hinting at the fact that, like, this Mulder being on this case was, like, set up so that the X-Files would be reinstated. But they definitely don't clarify whether or not, like, is this case solved? You know, did did we do it? Are there X-Files again? They do not really say. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the next episode starts. Like, what if they're just back in the X-Files? I don't know that they will be, but it seems like it could be a possibility. With this show, you you really can't know what to expect. No, you just can't. Because even, even if you think it's one thing, it's probably another. Yeah. Well, so the next episode that we're watching next week is called Blood. And... Our little description here is Mulder and Scully. Oh, they're together. Mulder and Scully investigate a series of violent killings committed by seemingly normal residents of a small town. Mm. So this reads to me like the X-Files is back in business. 
Yeah, I think the exiles are back, and this is just, um, we're just back in it. You know, they used the first two episodes. Like, you know, they didn't connect, but they were kind of following a similar storyline. And now they're like, okay, well, enough of that. So let's just get back, get back in it. Perfect. And as we always say here, aliens, if you're listening, please come get us. We're scared.